Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Belmont Banter, and today's guest is Will Graham. Now, Will's no stranger to Whitstall Town Football Club. Personally, I have not got a clue how his football career started, and indeed when. Will, who was responsible for you getting you involved in football? I think it possibly must be your dad. Yeah, so, yeah, it's my, my dad um, was a goalkeeper and had played um, local level. Also, I've got quite a famous uncle in terms of local men's football, uh, Bill Clark, that's uh, done a lot of stuff within the local game on Saturdays and Sunday football and quite infamous in terms of, uh, you know, getting good football teams together. So it's sort of running the family. But my my dad decided uh, after it, towards the end of his playing career, that he wanted to set up a youth team, which was going to be sort of part of the Tyler Hill uh, and the Bill Clark sort of club uh, and was going to become a youth section. Um, so, yeah, so he, he started that back in 92. So I was only seven. Um, and back then, in them Victorian days, so to speak, you didn't really have a lot of youth football. It was either, you know, the bigger you was, if you were seven and you there was only under 14, so you could only play, you know, you're either big enough and ugly enough or you just got on with it. So, yeah, it was a bit of a slow burner, but... We used to play lots of friendlies and, and stuff like that. And then, so that's how the journey started, really. Um, where did you progress from there? What other teams did you play for? Or was it school? Or So, yeah, so I played I played within my school system. I think I was one of the only players to play play up in the year six team in year four. Um, I think maybe because of my height, you know, and I was, pre- I was pretty... Uh, pretty good for my age so it was I was quite identified quite early to play up a, a couple of years in primary school uh, which was nice you know and uh, then as I broke into secondary school I still still remained at Tyler Hill uh, playing within their youth teams uh, under my dad and I eventually was quite lucky enough to get put into the district team with uh, quite a few former Whitstable Town players Aaron Knight um Dan Lawrence, Ben Lawrence, um, yeah, quite quite a selection of very good players. Um, Dan Tanner, Tom Parker. So, yeah, so we had quite a good district team. And then through sort of good performing and stuff like that, I actually broke into the Kent team as well. So um, I was a Kent schools player from, I think, 12 to about 16. And again, played with some lads that played in the pro game, Leroy Lita, George Boyd. So yeah, so that's that's how it started really. But I eventually found myself breaking into uh, Whitstable Town under 15s, which was run by a club legend, uh, Colin Budge. Uh, so yeah, we had a good little team there. Um, and then at 16s, I left Whitstable and went to play for Dover Athletic. And that's where I sort of broke into the 16s, 18s reserves and then eventually made it into the first team and then went from there and I got signed by Jim and Danny Ward at Ramsgate and then let's say that's that's how it sort of concluded, which, you know, built my relationship up with the two Ward brothers. Their names keep coming up all the time. Unbelievable. You know what? 
how many lives they touch is is really amazing it honestly is yeah i mean like i say it was at the time i was about 21 um 22 on the fringes of the first team at dover and playing mainly reserves and i basically just met jim on on a saturday afternoon over at jackie baker's when i was coaching and uh he sort of come up to me and said i've watched you a couple of times i'd love for you to come down and play for us and it's quite quite shell-shocked actually because they had just won the Ryman South and got promoted to the Prem. And actually, the, the first team that I couldn't get into so on a regular basis at Dover, actually didn't even, you know, get promoted in Ramsgate did. So it was it was quite quite a bit of a summer, really, to sort of get sort of asked to join Ramsgate uh, and play in the Ryman Premier Division. And um, but I, I couldn't make the, the first team every week in the a team that didn't get promoted at Dover. So... But yeah, Jim saw something in me and um, it was something that really he gave me a lot of confidence to sort of jump into that really high level that I'd never really sampled and um, sort of just hit the ground running, really. There's a lot of travelling, though, once you get to the Prem, isn't there? Yeah, like I say, I was about 22 when I when I played and I, I didn't really didn't really have any sort of um, expectations, really. I just thought I'd go in there and you know, see how I got on, but, you know, found myself starting the first league game, playing with the the fantastic Ollie Schultz that went on to do really well at Dover and could have probably gone on to play football league if he would have got his head down a little bit better. But, yeah, I found myself starting and it was crazy because, you know, a season or two before I was playing Sunday league and now I'm playing it in front of AFC Wimbledon on a Tuesday night in front of four and a half thousand supporters. It was you know, and that's when the Ryman Prem was a really good standard. It was like Wimbledon, Chelmsford, Boreham Woods, uh, Billericay. You know, we had some fantastic games. So for me, I was starstruck. I was walking into these big grounds with big, you know, big support and um, playing against some ex-pros like Marcus Gale and um, people like that, the players that I'd been watching on the telly. And now I'm marking them. It was, you know, it was great. And um, I wouldn't have got there without Jim and Danny's support, to be fair. That's lovely. Um, and, I, and I guess, because I've seen you uh, playing about a bit, well, quite a bit, actually, that uh, you you played centre-half for them, did you? I did, yeah. I was, um, I'd always played as a centre-forward as a kid. And then as I got to start to get into sort of senior level, yeah, I started dropping back into them centre-half roles. And, uh, yeah, I mean, te technically on the ball, I wasn't the greatest, but, you know, in that sort of time and era, it was head and kick it, you know, be strong, be aggressive. And that's that's what I tried to pride myself on. But, you know, looking back now as a 35-year-old, if I could have had the time again and a little bit more of the knowledge that I hold now as a coach and the game, how it's developed, I think I would have put a lot more into to my game and I would have been a bit more resilient at times. And, you know, I think I could have probably done a little bit better and given a little bit more. Yeah, I've, I've had one or two guys on here said almost exactly the same thing. You know, if, if I could tell my 16-year-old self what I know now, as far as training was concerned, diet, you know, fitness, everything, it would be in a different story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, even going back, in, you know, into the kid, like the youth side of things, you know, some of these kids have got these academies now, they've got free Gs to play on, you know, the AstroTurfs and... They've got access to sessions, you know, they've got so much, so, you know, a library of stuff that then they, they can grab hold of, you know, back in when I was coming through the youth game, it was very much, 
being out in the fields, just making your own rules up and learning the game, just playing, you know, on your own, really. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, if there's one of the biggest regrets I've got, it's the opportunity I had at Ramsgate. Um, if I would have put a bit more dedication and a bit more focus in, I think, you know, I could have really excelled. But I didn't, I was quite weak, you know, in the mindset. I didn't really commit to the football as much as I should have done. You know, and even as a coach, as you know, Tony, you hear me sometimes bellowing from the side of the pitch, you know, and my expectations of players as a coach is high. But, you know, as a player being bell, you know, shouted at by Jim and Danny, I probably didn't take on as much as I should have done. So that's definitely a regret of mine. I think as a coach, you you know, especially that you've played and as you say, a, a decent level, that must help you when you're directing younger players now, surely? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, I mean, I've at the moment I'm coaching sort of younger players, but, you know, I, I have coached the 14s, 15s, 16s and 18s and even 23s. And it is very much, you know, the modern day uh, tone, you're sort of saying to these kids, you know, like expecting big wages a week and, you know, and thinking that just because you've done well at 18s, that makes you a first team player. It's very, very different to what you what you envisage. It's, you know, I come from a from an era of players, but, you know, like you like to Sean Welford's and, and Ollie Schultz and Lee Minchels and people like that, that they they didn't just talk about how good they was, they showed it, you know, and if that they didn't hold any prisoners and there wasn't an expectancy with them, you know, if they wanted a, a little bit of extra money a week from the club, that they they proved that, you know, they there wasn't no expectancy. And I find now when you're talking to sometimes 16, 17, 18 year old lads, they sort of expect that they should be a first team player because they've been told how good they are. You know, there's there's a little bit of an unwillingness to really go and show it. So yeah, so my my pathway in from that football and being there, seeing it, done it, would be very very transparent with the youth players of today and saying, look, you know, just because you do well at youth games, playing on a Tuesday night at the Belmont against uh, you know your Hastings, it's a different ball game. You know, it's a lot quicker and it's a lot more harder. You know, you've got to be more resilient. You've got to be more observant of your surroundings and you've got to get used to a couple of hundred people screaming and shouting at you and not you know you potentially not liking that so yeah I definitely pass that knowledge on as, be as, as best I can to to the youth players that I coach. Although there's only say two three hundred maybe four hundred people at the ground, ground it's very intimidating when they're literally leaning on a barrier and they're less than two yards from you and you're the winger getting grief all the time and that can destroy a young player can't it? Exactly. You know, when they when they've been playing on a on a Sunday morning, at, um, you know, a, a youth football pitch and there's, you know, parents, mums and dads on the field. And, you know, it's all very nice and very, very you know welcoming and things like that. And then they've got this expectations that they're going to come into a ground. that's going to be the same, you know. And again, even at our level, like the Oyster Boys, the Oyster Boys are, you know, they sing their hearts out and, you know, they they protect their club and they protect their players. So. Yeah, if you're playing against Whitstable, you, you might be told stuff that you don't like to be hit, you know, to be spoken about. And again, it's it can make or break you really. And like you say, it's only two, three, four hundred supporters. However, in them sort of environments, you can hear every single comment. Whereas if it's three, four thousand people, um, you might hear the rumbles of people, but you're not going to hear the specific, you know, chant, so to speak. So. Yeah, it's it's something that is difficult. I found it difficult, um, and I had to learn very quickly, or 
or I'd find myself probably not being there. How long did you actually stay at Ramsgate for then? So I was at Ramsgate from about 21 to about 24. Um, and then I'd done my ACL playing against Wharton and Hersham for uh, for Jim and Danny. And um, yeah, I just couldn't get it fit. I mean, again, like we say, Tony, about how the game's evolved and the world's evolved. And ACL 11 years ago was, was an injury that people didn't really understand that is a really bad injury. And I mean, I'd done about 90% damage to my knee completely. So I was, it was completely ruined and it took a lot, it took two surgeries to try and repair it. And, you know, then trying to come back without the internet to find out what to do, how to do it, you know, and unfortunately the NHS at the time, I, I got rehab for an hour every two weeks. So I found it very difficult to come back and recover and, and get back to play. And uh, I did give it a go, but I just, you know, found that I was worrying about doing it again because it was such a, a long-term injury. Yeah, it's such a traumatic thing, isn't it? That's hit home again with the Olympics. I listened to one of the cyclists talking about, you know, when they've had a spill. She was saying that, you know, she gets back up on her bike, but she's just been knocked off her bike at 50 miles an hour and it stays in your head. She said, I couldn't commit the way I'd like to commit because it's there. It's like a parrot on your shoulder, isn't it? Exactly that. And 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 that's very much hits home with me as well. It's it, it wasn't a case that my knee, the surgeon wasn't correct or the surgery didn't work. You know, it probably it did work. The rehab probably wasn't where it needed to be, probably from my own point of view and wasn't as as frequent as I needed it to be to repair it. But when I did try to come back the following year, for pre-season I always had that little voice in my head thinking you can't afford to do it again you know and poor poor Michael Yarney who's obviously a club a club favourite he he done his ACL just before I done mine went private come back and done it again the following year so he had two ACLs in two years and yeah well, I just I wasn't strong enough I suppose in the head and with my work situation and things like that I couldn't afford to uh, to spend another year limped up on crutches and you know yeah being a bit of a burden really it's a difficult one isn't it because yeah. again work comes into it you know you, you go and play this game for pleasure you're not getting really paid for it proper proper wages and you've got to earn a living so there's a very fine balance isn't there yeah of course I mean we love the game and it, again it's another thing that as I've got older I've tried to appreciate in terms of my coaching and my delivery and you know the the players that at this level, they're, they're getting paid. They're getting paid well. You know, some clubs are getting paid very, very well. And um, I suppose that what comes along with that is the expectancy to, for them to be, you know, football, 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 twenty four seven. And you know, no matter how much money you're on, people have families, people have jobs, and you know, unfortunately, we're not in all in a privileged position where this can be our our full time position. And so, yeah. So, especially from a playing point of view. I've definitely taken on board that, yes, it's nice to have players there every single night on time, doing what they're doing, doing extras, being in the gym every single night, they're not training. But then, yeah, you've also got to remember that they've got to work, they've got families. Um, so you've got to be, you've got to have the balance right. When did you actually take the decision that that was it, you're going to walk away then? I think it was probably... When I when I tried to come back the following year in pre-season uh, under Jim and Dan, and I just felt I felt off. I felt like I wasn't sharp. I felt like I was worrying about going into tackles. 
I sort of come away, I sort of had a chat with Jim and I said, look, I don't feel like it's ready. I don't feel like it's right. And to be fair to Jim, he wanted me to stick around. He wanted me to be around the changing room um, and he wanted me to persevere with it. But I just, I felt like I needed to sort of take myself out of the situation in a, in a matter of ways to sort of bring myself out, to sort of evaluate where I was. What did I need to do? If I was going to come back, did I, what else did I need to do? And also I needed to be fair to the players and also Jim and Danny and sort of, you know, not being in and around it, knowing that I probably wasn't right going forward. So it was probably about the the build-up in the in that pre-season that I sort of decided, look, come away, focus on my coaching, and then to see how my let how my knee sort of goes from there. And and yeah, I I tried playing on Sundays and you know, just to keep myself active. And it just, yeah, I just never ever really got over the ACL injury, both mentally and physically. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. When then did you make the decision about the coaching? Because that's that's where you are at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, so I basically started coaching within Tyler Hill Youth when I was 14. So I started quite young. And then, like I say, alongside playing, I was doing badge my badges and um, I was coaching uh, for local, you know, local companies such as Soccer Elite. And um, uh, I was working for Arsenal Football Club and doing little bits for them uh, within schools. So, yeah, I was always involved in coaching, even alongside playing. But when it comes to the decision to stop playing, I sort of really sort of pushed my coaching to the top of the top of the table, really. And I was I quickly done uh, my UEFA B and then also, also done other minded uh, coaching badges like goalkeeping badge and stuff like that. So, yeah, then I just went into the youth game and just started coaching through the youth system and coaching different age groups and different abilities, really. And that's that's how it really started. What turn of events brought you back to Whitstable then? So, yeah, quite quite funny. It was, um, I was coaching, I was coaching at Margate uh, under 18s and I probably had one of the better, probably the second or third best team in the county at the time. I had players uh, like Liam King. Um, I had, uh, who else did I have? Aaron Simpson. So, yeah, I, I, had, I had a very good, very strong team and, Jim and Danny had sort of heard about the team and heard that, you know, that I was in their coaching and I think they'd heard about my coaching ability and they they were out of work at the time and I think they went for the Whitstable job and uh, I just received a, a, a message from Danny saying, hello, mate, not long time, no speak. Would it be good to have a chat? I was like, yeah, well, this is a bit strange. I haven't spoke to Danny in a, in a while, yeah. And then he sort of said, look, we've heard about your coaching. We'd love you to come in and, and be our first team coach. And for me... To be a first team coach at, I think, probably about 26, I was like, yeah, 100%. I'm really eager to get into that sort of standard and work at first team level. So it sort of went from there, really. And then we put the the infamous team together that done so well that year. It was fantastic, wasn't it? You, uh, you were an integral part of that as well. So, you know, your CV, that must stack up quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got a, in terms of working at, you know, first team level, I've got to say it's probably the most enjoyable season I've ever had. You know, and again, that that starts from yourself down to the support, the Oyster boys and the supporters down to the 23s and the first team players we had and Jim and Danny that, you know, knitted it all together. It was just such an enjoyable year that I look back with great memories and some of the memories and just such of the, the, the togetherness of the team, you know. And I think when we put that team together in the June the previous year, 
we sort of really didn't know where we were going to be because Whitsball, you know, I, I think, I don't think it's too harsh to say Whitsball had never really pushed the top half of that level. You know, they'd always done okay. And then we put this team together and we, we, we didn't really know where it would sit. Um, you know, we had the likes of Ian Pullman, who's goal machine at that level. Kane Rowland, who was a kid. You know, he was only playing under 18s the year before. You know, we had Hurdy, who was Scott Hurd, who was absolutely unreal, but never really had a team around him where he could say that he could really show how good he could have been. So, yeah, we put this team together and we, looking back at it, we probably had 12, 12 recognised first team players and then the rest were made up of under 23s that, that were doing well, that were, you know, in and around the first team. And, you know, I just... I look back now with such good memories. We we had a good social type, social life. You know, we went out drinking together. We spent time together. You know, our WhatsApp groups and things like that. We were always doing something to keep us ticking ticking over, and it was brilliant. It was a really really good season. Yeah, I, you know, to be part of something like that was a, was a must have been fabulous for you. I've got to say about uh, Jim and Danny, and I've said this before, but they're both underrated as uh, managers joint management team that they've got because uh, how can I compare him to anybody well let, let's let's go for Scott Ford, Scott Ford yeah sorry yeah. but yeah you go down there and and for whatever reason you feel your, your hackles on the back of your neck would rise Jimmy and Danny had the same effect but of course when they're yours you feel completely different about them yeah um and you can up but you can also understand why people get upset because you know the couple of Scottish lads on the touchline their voice can be heard from a million miles away. If one's not shouting, the other is. Yeah. But what a team they are together, aren't they? Well, this is the thing. I mean, they've worked together for so many years and they've been so successful. And again, it depends what you deem success as well. You know, success, some people think is titles and trophies. And some people is success is taking a team that haven't pushed to the heights that we did and doing that, you know, and, they didn't do that with an incredibly big budget in comparison to, to our level. So it was very important about the environment they set and the togetherness and everyone was pulling in the right direction and, and everyone was making sure that if we weren't going to win a game of football, we weren't as good as the opposition that we were playing against. We, we were going to make them, you know, it was going to be a dogfight. And like you say, the, the environment that Scott Porter set, you always know what you're going to get out of a Scott Porter team. And again, that's that's not derogatory. That's not a bad thing. That's you deal with the tools that you get and you try and get the best out of them. And, you know, I look back at some of them games last year, uh, not last year, sorry, when we were together with Jim and Danny and Walton Casuals was a massive one at home when we were 3-0 down after 20 minutes, down and out completely. You know, the halftime team talk from... Jim and Danny was, you know, the cups were going, the walls were a bit, you know, being painted red. It was, it was not a very nice changing room at half time. And for us to, to put that back together, Jim and Danny included putting that all back together, and then for us to win it four three with the last kick of the game, just a magic moment and uh, one that often it comes up on my memories on my social media, and I always share it with the boys, with Reese, Crimmon, and but, uh, Butch, and you know, people like that. And it's just one of them moments that we all talk about that's just, that was amazing. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's a really lovely feeling. And unfortunately, and I know that they were both mad, mad keen to take us another step further, which they felt they got the team to do it. External reasons, and you and I know what those external reasons were, 
we were unable to see it forward and it's such a shame wasn't it yeah and it, you know it's it's very it's very difficult for people i suppose outside looking in yes. to to debate on on the scenes that sort of went on again it's we had made such progression and we had such a you know not to not to pull him out but scott heard was had interest from everywhere and we wanted to we wanted to con continue going forward with what we had built and add to it to to have a real go the following season and you know not just be finishing eighth we wanted to be in the playoffs or go for the go for the league and i think with a little bit more of an investment with a, just a couple of players here or there i think we could have really really pushed the team and the club into places where they never dreamed of being but again it's it's one of them we I suppose everyone that I suppose uh, comments on it, you only have the amount of money that you have, and you know you live within your means, and that's the way it is. And again, ambition is ambition, and I think Jim and Danny at that time sort of saw ambition coming from a, you know, coming back from a Ramsgate, which is a club they've they've loved and adored over the years, and saw the ambition being sort of met in other avenues, and I think that was. It was massively unfortunate because I think two or three more players, uh, we could have gone again with that second season. We would all stuck together and we would have given it a real go. Listening to you now, Will, this is, um, I feel a tinge of sadness now that you're not involved at senior level now because you, that you've got such a desire for it, haven't you? Yeah, and it's it's hard because it's it's one of them things and it's very, very true. You know, when you are out of it, you do almost get forgotten. You know, there's so many great people that that, that have been involved in managing, coaching um, at, at that level and higher and lower that that done really, really well and and nowhere to be heard of or seen at now. And it is very, very difficult. I always, I always put myself in terms of my coaching ability up at the very top in terms of how our level. I'm definitely a student of the game. I'm someone that I don't sit still and just think, well, them sessions worked 10 years ago, so I'll keep them. I'm someone that always likes to evolve my, you know, my library. And yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere I'd always love to get myself back in and, and, and in and around it. Um, but again, you've got to be in the right place at the right time and just hope something lands. But again, it's, there's people out there that if they are interested, they know where I am and they know what I can bring to the table. Um, and I'm sure at some point I will be back on the touchline at first team level doing something. That's a great, yeah, great comment. Really good. And now bring us up to date then with what you're actually doing now. So, yeah. So what I, I basically last season, I, I decided that I was going to, I was being asked by lots of managers, you know, as, as I wasn't, you know, involved with a, with a club at the time, I was being asked by lots of managers, would I go and watch a game? Would I do a report for them? And, you know, obviously people, I suppose, respect my opinion on opposition and players. I sort of had a conversation with with a friend and he said, why don't you set this up as a business while you're out of, of coaching? And I said, well, I don't really, I don't really need to. I can just, you know, keep it low key. And he sort of batted me down and said, you should do it as a business. Like this could be really good. And so I went, right, okay. So I set up a company called Elite Premier Scouting. Again, very, very minor, very small. Just basically offering my services to, to, to clubs uh, for, for an affordable price. Just going out, watching games, doing opposition reports for clubs. And quite quickly, within probably about six to six to 12 weeks of doing it, I had 
Dover Athletic. I had Stockport County of all teams. I had Cray Wanderers. I had Herne Bay. I had all these teams that were asking me to go and Hastings to do reports. And it was, I was sort of took back. I, I couldn't fit them all in at the time because I, I was doing it on my own. And it was, it was, uh, it was brilliant to be fair. I was getting paid, you know, quite nice money and, and going, sitting in a stand, watching football and telling people my opinion on it. It was, it was brilliant. It was, and it kept me involved, Tony, you know, it was, I wasn't sat at home watching Soccer Saturday. I was out where I, where I love to be in non-league football, watching football and talking to football about people, you know, um, with people. So, yeah. So then obviously lockdown closed that back down for a while. And again, it's this, it's this picking up again at, at the moment. And, I was at Wingate in Finchley this Saturday uh, doing a report for Margate for Jay Saunders. And again, I'm at Bedfont Sports next Saturday for Herne Bay, who got them in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I'm out and about. You always find me somewhere, Tony, watching a game and writing things down. Have you uh, have you had to take on any staff? So, yeah, so I've, I've been out there looking uh, to add a couple of people because um, the Cray, obviously the Cray Wanderers job has, uh, has gone because obviously the management team that I was working for left, but... Now I'm now working for Lewis, where they've gone. So, so yeah, so now the journeys are a lot bigger. So I'm definitely looking to get a couple of people involved and, you know, earn a, earn a little bit of beer money on a weekend and to go and watch a game of football. But, yeah, it's at the moment I'm quite a, a single, a solo entity, but definitely looking to, to add more people in so then we can branch out and get a little bit wider. I think it's got to be the right people, though, hasn't it? I mean, it can't, it can't just be some guy who, who you normally see at a ground every week. It's got to be someone who, who knows a bit about the game. Interestingly Whoa. enough, um, your old man knows quite a bit about the game because I've stood alongside him a couple of times at a game and he makes some quite uh, poignant comments. He really does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of them things, you know, I'm a bit of a, a control freak when it comes to the game and it's um, it, whether it's coaching, managing, playing, scouting, it's one of them that I like to know that it's got my stamp on it and it, you know, it's being, it's, it's got my mark. So a lot of the stuff, I, as long as I can fit it in, I will always try and do it myself and not because that's because I want to, you know, greed it all in. It's just simply because I like to make sure that the reports are always done to a certain standard as I would do my coaching and, and, and stuff that way. But yeah, there's, there's always a, added room to ask the old man to go and uh, to go and watch a game for me every now and then and uh, do me a report. He'll certainly say it like it is. It's, he wouldn't choke, sugarcoat anything, will he? Yeah, so he has to be a bit more observant rather, rather than judgmental. So I'll, I'll tell him that and say to him, <laughs> you can't just be too judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, nice one. Well, it's been a fascinating chat today. I've really enjoyed it. The best, the best thing about what I do, you know, and I'm, obviously I'm only doing it for the club and, and in fact, anybody that wants to, to tell me their story, I'm happy to have them on. Um, I have people on that's never, ever played for Whitstall. They've visited the ground with their other clubs or mm -hmm. passing through. But it's anybody, basically, that's played football in and around the southeast. And uh, it's I've had some fantastic journeys myself because I feel as if I've found out more, like I've done with you today. Mm -hmm. You know, we've never had the opportunity to sit down and talk like this before. No, no. And it's been it's been good. It's been good. And to see your passion coming through when you talk about Jim and Danny and the clubs and the, what you're doing now is it, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something like I say, I, when it comes to football, I'll sit down and talk to anyone about football. I can talk about the very highest to the very lowest to the youth. You know, I'm someone that, like I say, I'm, I'd like to be class myself as a student of the game and 
I like to talk about football and that's that's something that that will never leave me and uh it's something now that I'm back involved with helping the old man's Tyler Hill youth team develop. We've just signed a partnership with uh, with Whitstable Town because Whitstable Town's a club that's very close to my heart. So yeah, we're we're linking in with the club with Whitstable, and you know, so you'll be seeing me around Whitstable. So we have plenty more opportunities for chats, mate. That's lovely. All right, so we'll call it a day for now, Will. But uh, from me here at Belmont Banter and Will Graham on the other end of a Zoom call. Well, it's been a pleasure, mate, and uh, I'll see you down the Belmont soon. Always. You take care. Speak and to you soon. Mate. Take care. Cheers. Cheers Thank mate. you. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers. Cheers.